Welcome to the MPYA podcast. MPYA is a gathering designed specifically for young adults. In this podcast, you'll hear messages from our gatherings, as well as conversations that we hope will help you navigate these defining years of your life. We hope you'll join us as we explore practical ways we can follow Jesus in our everyday lives. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at North Point Young Adults and subscribe to the podcast if you like what you hear. But with that in mind, let's jump into this week's episode. So, I remember uh, as a young adult, as I was graduating college and trying to get my feet under me, I was uh, excited to start my career. I was like, I'm gonna go get a job in Atlanta. I'm gonna live with my parents for a little bit, try to uh, save some money to go and get uh, a house maybe one day. Uh, I was gonna uh, hopefully meet the woman of my dreams. Like everything was looking up for me. I couldn't wait to get started. But all of a sudden one day, uh, after a few months had gone by, I started to sit with this feeling. I got home and I looked back on the last few days and I was like, what did I even just spend my time doing. I've been at this nine to five job. I've sat in traffic. I've done all the stuff. And I could barely remember even what I had just spent my life doing. I started to experience this feeling that I could only describe as this. You saw it. Meaninglessness. I didn't, I don't know if that is a legitimate feeling. I told Allie I was going to say that. And she was like, is that a feeling? I don't know. But I, that's how I have to describe it. The other way that I think I can describe it is I just felt a lack of significance. Or I honestly realized in this moment, I may actually be having an existential crisis, which can you have an existential crisis at 23? I don't know. Maybe that's our generation. That's a new thing. But that's what I began to feel. I started to ask myself, does what I do really matter? Shouldn't I be, and that's what was weird about this time too, is I'm thinking at 23, shouldn't I be the most hopeful Shouldn't we leave college and be the most excited, the most energized about the work that we get to go do? But for me at this moment, it just began to feel unbelievably repetitive. Have any of y'all seen uh, the movie Groundhog Day? Yeah, so Groundhog Day, it's an amazing movie. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. I think I can do that. There's nothing too bad in it. Um, But Groundhog Day, it's got Bill Murray in it. And Groundhog Day, it's, the premise of the movie is this, that uh, he wakes up every single day and it's the same day over and over again. That he wakes up, no matter what he does, he, I think he even tries to kill himself at one point. No matter what he does, he wakes up the same day, day after day, same routine, same job, running into the same people, same situations. And even if he can get it right, even if he can get it figured out, he wakes up in his bed the next day, the same day, day after day. And I know it's a bit dramatic, but... I started to feel that a little bit in my schedule. Like I'm on a Monday through Friday schedule, I was like, okay, I wake up, I drink some coffee, I take a shower, I brush my teeth, I sit in traffic, I go sit at work in front of a computer from nine to five all day long. Then I sit in more traffic, I drive home, and then I maybe work out, maybe eat dinner, maybe watch TV, and then I go to sleep, and that's about it. And that just continues day after day after day. And maybe some of you are shaking your head, nodding your head yes right now. That is what you feel currently. And for me, I'm like, is this it? Is this really what the rest of my life is going to be about? Is it because I was like passionate about commercial title insurance? No. Because I was the only one who could do this job? That wasn't it. 
because I wanted more money for the weekends? Maybe. But is my purpose really to just make more money? Is the reason that I was put on earth, the reason you were put on earth, to just make more money, to have a family one day and then eventually die? Is the American dream essentially our purpose? And so I began to ask myself this question. Does my life have a purpose? Does it have a purpose? And maybe some of you have asked this. Maybe you're currently wondering this. Maybe you were sitting in traffic yesterday thinking about this. Does it matter? The work that I just did from nine to five, does it matter? Maybe you also feel stuck in this Groundhog Day cycle of repetition the same day after day after day. And you get to the end and you're just like, did what I just do even matter? Did they need me there? Was it meaningful? Is there any point to this life? And I think these are all good, valid questions to ask. I think we should all ask them at some point. And I think we probably all do ask them at some point. And so I wanted to start here tonight because I believe as we jump back into 2 Timothy, that he's going to begin to help lead us to an answer to this question. He's going to communicate to Timothy, but I believe he's also going to communicate by extension to us that we have a purpose that exists outside of our jobs, outside of our financial situations, or outside of just having fun on the weekends or seeking to be happy. A purpose that if we choose to accept it actually goes beyond this earth, beyond this world, and reaches out into the eternal, past this life. So let's jump in. Like we've said throughout the series, this is believed to be the last letter that Paul wrote. It's literally the last letter he wrote, and now we've reached the last words of the last letter. So this is the last, last words of Paul, which means there's probably gonna be a lot of weight to these. He's kind of wrapping it all up, tying a bow on it, concluding it, and saying, Timothy, here you go. It's up to you now. I'm about to be done. And so he says this, verses one through two. Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. So he's kind of transitioning here. We've spent these past three chapters that we've looked at over this time where Paul is kind of giving Timothy a guide. He's kind of giving him these things to think about, these reminders as he's living his life. And now with these final words, as he starts this final chapter, he's kind of giving him this charge or like this battle cry. Like I kind of think about a pregame speech. Like, here we go. I'm passing the baton off. Here's the torch. It's up to you now. And so he starts giving Timothy these responsibilities. And I believe that within this final charge, we find the purpose for our lives. I think it's important to note also that he begins this charge uh, by saying it's in the presence of God and Christ that this work, these responsibilities he's given us to do, they actually serve an eternal purpose. So maybe underline or circle that, that he, it's kind of like a wedding too, where the wedding, the officiant will charge the husband and the wife in the presence of God and family and everybody. They're witnesses. And so ultimately we're kind of accountable to God for what we do on earth. And this is interesting because I think sometimes we can wonder what the point of life is is because it feels like nothing we do day to day has an effect 
on the world or on people around us. We feel like what we do doesn't actually connect to anything meaningful. We're just another cog in a machine, another car on the road, easily replaceable, easily forgettable. But here Paul is saying what we do on earth matters to God and does serve an eternal purpose. That God put you specifically where you are and has given you a role to play in that. So when it feels like it doesn't matter, Paul is saying remember that it matters to God and we have an opportunity to align ourselves with his purpose. So what's the charge? He says it. Five commands. Preach the word. What does that mean? Just means declare it. Declare the things that you know to be true. And maybe you're sitting here like, okay, he's talking to Timothy. He's a preacher. Like that's his job. But no, at this time, in this context, Timothy wasn't necessarily a preacher yet. He was more like a missionary, just going to different churches and, and, and different people and just spreading good news. He was actually more like me and you in a culture that didn't necessarily know God super well. And so this is not only a word for Timothy, but it's a word for us. It's preach the word. And it's, that just means deliver the truth. We know the truth. We've been given the word. We have the same ability that Timothy does to go and share it. That's number one. Number two, he says, be ready. Be ready in season and out of season. So what does that mean? It's just stay prepared, stay committed in every circumstance, when it's convenient and when it's not convenient, when things are going well and when things aren't going well, when you've got a whole crowd ready to listen to you and applauding, and when you've got one person in front of you that is super skeptical. You've got to be prepared in season and out of season. Third one, reprove. This is a word that we don't necessarily use often, but it's be willing to correct those in error. And rebuke is similar. It's calling attention to wrong. So he's kind of saying that we have this calling on our lives to correct people when they are believing lies. It's, we have the job, our purpose, part of our purpose is to uh, help people replace lies with truth. Because again, we've been given the word. And then lastly, exhort. This just means to call out and encourage those who are doing well. You're kind of helping them, give, giving them feedback, helping them along the way. Uh, but also encouraging them. It's literally like a coach. And as I was studying these, as I'm thinking through these and looking at the charge as a whole and this passage as a whole, I think we can kind of sum these five uh, commands up into one and just kind of make this one simple as we move through the text. And I think you might agree with me as you're reading these that the first part of this charge for Timothy and for us is really just share the truth that that is what we are trying to do. It's what God wants us to do. It's what Paul is telling Timothy to do. And it kind of takes us back to week one, if you were here, but it's overcoming that shame of sharing the truth. A lot of times in our culture and with our friends and people that don't really know uh, about Christ or about what we have to share, it, we can almost feel like we're sharing bad news. I think I said this, like we can take this gospel to people and be like, hey, I'm sorry you have to believe this. Like, I know this is gonna put a bunch of restrictions on your life. It's gonna make you change your lifestyle. But in all actuality, it's good news. And he's telling us to go and share the truth. I think preaching it, correcting, rebuking, uh, exhorting, all of that is going and taking it to people. It's not keeping it to ourselves. It's actually going and sharing the truth. And what I love about that is that telling people about Jesus does have eternal ramifications. That telling people about Jesus is ultimately going to put them in heaven, in, in eternity with you. That's eternal work, bringing truth into their lives, helping them navigate this world around them because it does have an impact on their eternity. That's world-changing work. 
Paul tells us that's responsibility number one, share the truth. And this is important because, going to verses three through four, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So he's saying a time is coming when people will no longer endure or suffer through sound teaching or truth, also referred to as God's word, but will instead go find people telling them whatever they want to hear. And indeed, Paul says it's already happening. He's using that future now tense again, that he's talking about the future, but uh, the way that he uses it in the Greek is that it's already starting to happen now. He sees it happening now. And you're thinking, Clay, that's kind of weird. Like, do people really avoid sound teaching? Do they avoid good things that are good for them? Aren't people searching for truth? Don't we all want to gain more truth? I feel like that's what our society wants the most right now. Like, what is the truth? What can we believe? There's too much fake news going around. So we're looking for truth. But it makes sense if we really think about it because we avoid truth because sometimes it hurts. That sometimes conviction isn't good to hear. Like we don't like feedback that kind of cuts to the heart. Like I think a lot of us maybe avoid going to church or avoid certain sermons because we know, ah, that one's gonna hit a little too close to home. And I don't know if I'm ready to change my lifestyle. I don't know if I'm ready to change the way that I'm living to go fully all in and surrender everything to follow Jesus. It doesn't always feel good to get feedback or feel conviction. So we avoid it. I know, I mean, anyone ever scrolling through podcasts and you're kind of reading the descriptions and you kind of pick and choose which ones you want to listen to and you see one and you're like, ah, that one's going to kind of be directed right at me. So I might come back to that one later, but not ready for that. So skip and follow, go to another one. Or maybe you've got this book that you've had on your reading list that is so specific for your season of life. It's what you need to hear, but it just stays on the bookshelf because you don't want to go all in or change your lifestyle. Or how about this? Maybe you read certain passages of the Bible, you take some of them as truth, but you kind of avoid the others. Or this one hits close to home, maybe we're in a sermon series and there's like four of them and I see what the next one's gonna be about and I avoid it because I know that that one is going to convict. It's going to hurt. And so I just refuse to get involved with it. We see this all throughout our life. We choose who we follow on Twitter, who we follow on Instagram, the news that we read. We easily just begin to surround ourselves with what we already believe, what we already think, and what we want to be true. It's just easier that way. If we're not careful, our natural tendency is to avoid the stuff we need to hear in favor of the stuff that we want to hear. And it's actually surprising, surprisingly easy to do this, to move through life and never really come face to face with the truth. So I think the second charge to Timothy with regard to our purpose is to make sure we embrace the truth. Embrace it. He says, going forward, verse five, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He says, but as for you, Timothy, I charge you to not get caught off guard. Don't lose focus, don't avoid truth. You are called to be sober-minded. So just think clearly. You are called to endure suffering, 
to embrace hard truth. Like when you uh, feel something coming at you, when you feel convicted, when you get the feedback, embrace it. Don't run from it because that is ultimately gonna make you a better person. Then he says, evangelize, go give this truth to other people, embrace it. Um, And I believe going back to chapter three, uh, if you were here, I don't know if I have this one up there, but this is why God gives us the written word. It's something to refer to when we begin to lose our way or when we're lacking truth in our culture. He gives us this thing to hold on to. It's our most important piece of equipment. Going back to 2 Timothy 3.16 from last time, it says, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. He says, we've been equipped with the word. God has equipped us with the word. What is equipment for? Equipment, I looked it up, the definition, it's the necessary items for a particular purpose. So you hand me a shovel, some gloves, and a pot, and I'm like, I'm gonna go do some gardening. Or you hand me a baseball bat, a ball, a catcher's mitt, and it's like, okay, my purpose, I'm gonna go play baseball. God equips us with the word so that we can know him and know what he desires for us. And again, begin to discern between truth and lies. So we embrace the truth. We begin to fulfill our purpose. As we look at his word and embrace it and change our lifestyle, it leads to action. We fulfill our purpose. It's truly that simple. Embrace the truth. Then going on, he says this in verses six through seven. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So this is what Paul at the end of his life has realized matters most. He says he's already being poured out like a drink offering, which is just an Old Testament reference regarding sacrifice. Paul knew that sitting in a Roman jail, that there would be no release, that his time of departure has come or his death was upon him. But this is what he says. He's, he's satisfied with where he is. He says, I have fought the fight. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. The third and final charge that I believe Paul wants us to see regarding our purpose is this. Fight for the truth. Fight for the truth. That fighting for this truth, fighting for what the gospel says, fighting for what the Bible says is worth it. That Paul has now reached the end of his life, but he seems so satisfied because he's leveraged his life for what matters most, for the fight that matters most. What's interesting as I was reading this in the Greek, he shifted the normal word order so that uh, to emphasize the objects of each verb. So Paul is focused on the calling that he faithfully fulfilled, not feeling like any of it was meaningless, that he didn't just waste all of his time. No, he was in the fight. He was in the race. He was in the faith. And he fought for truth and ultimately sacrificed his life for it. And I think so many people reach this place in life. We start to reach the end of our days. We start to realize, okay, my time may be on the brink. And I think at that moment, we start asking ourselves a lot of these same questions. It, it's what happens after I die? What is, what did, did I spend my life doing what really matters? We start to wonder, have I, do I have a lot of regrets? Do I wish that I had done some things differently? Did I not spend enough time with people 
that matter, not giving my life away like I should? Did I invest in the next generation? We start to wonder how I spent my life. But Paul says the truth is, whether we like it or not, we're all going to lack meaning and significance and fulfillment until we get in this fight, this race, this faith. He says, sure, my life was hard. A lot of days felt the same, especially in prison. As you might imagine, it was the same walls every single day. It was the same thing every single day. And Paul's course led him through some dark times. But at the end of his journey on earth, he is saying it was all worth it that this fight was worth it, this race was worth it, because he had completed what he set out to do. He had fulfilled his purpose. When we're living in our purpose, when we're doing what we're called to do, we'll reach the end of our lives fulfilled. We'll reach the end of our lives feeling satisfied. It's because he spent his life focused on what matters. And so he's telling this to Timothy, hey, he's, it's like he's giving him the, the advice. He's giving him uh, the, the secret the secret code, the key. This is all you have to do. Just focus on the fight. Share the truth. Embrace the truth. Fight for truth. He did this by keeping eternity at the forefront. This is what will bring fulfillment in the end. Paul, at the end of this section, talks about a crown. Look at verse 8. It says this, Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Again, Paul is sitting here thinking about eternity at the end of his life. Because won't we all be? Like I said, this is, you reach the end and that's when the existential crisis really hits. When we start to think about what is going to happen on the other side of this life. Well, the key here and what is so interesting to me that Paul wasn't afraid of death. He wasn't fearful of it. He had figured out the key. Paul had no fear of facing the Lord, the righteous judge, the one that holds him accountable to these things. He only had anticipation of reward in the form of a crown. But it wasn't because he did it for a reward. Ultimately, he knew that he was gonna lay that crown back down at Jesus's feet. But it was because he faithfully served God. He knew his purpose. He had embraced the word even when it was difficult, even when he was getting thrown in prison, even when people didn't like him, even when there was no crowd. He continued to embrace the word. He shared it until his last days. He was writing letters to churches and people, sharing with who knows how many people in prison. And then lastly, he fought for it to the very end. He tells us this is what it feels like to fulfill our purpose, a purpose that will extend beyond ourselves, beyond this world, and lead to a life of meaning. We don't have to sit in our house at the end of a day and feel like my life was meaningless. We can get on board with God's purpose for our lives. We can take these three things, apply them, and encompass our entire lives around them. And all of a sudden, we start to feel fulfillment. Because in the end, I think you and I can all agree, we all know this, that only two things are gonna matter in the end. It's God and it's people. Those are the only two things that are gonna continue past this life. And so I ask you, have you shared this word with anyone? Are you finding time to share it? I promise that as you do, you will begin to find purpose in your life. 
Begin to assess your schedule and time. Can you spend less time on a screen and more time talking to people? Can you get in a small group? Can you lead a small group to tell people about this truth? Can you serve on host team or get on the, the, the volunteer team? Uh, do anything to where you can have more conversations with people and share the truth. Maybe go on a mission trip. Any opportunity where we get to literally change someone's life. All of a sudden we start to feel like our life means something because God chose to use us to change someone else. And that has far reaching implications into eternity. Look for opportunities to share the truth. Speak the name of Jesus everywhere you go. Secondly, have you embraced his word? I think that's a good word. And I love how Allie put it last time, if you were here, her second point was delight in conviction. Paul keeps making that point to Timothy that it's gonna be hard, that it's difficult to open up the word of God and not feel something needs to change in our lives. But what's so amazing about this is Paul tells us delight in it. Like, and, and I love Proverbs says this too. Proverbs says that fools despise wisdom and instruction, but the wise love it. That if we take this word and we apply it to our lives, we begin to change. That we begin to look forward to reading the scripture because it's making us better. Don't avoid the hard teaching. Don't run from God's word, embrace it. This is good news for all people. It's good news for you and me. Do you turn to it when times get difficult? Do you turn to it and trust it even though it's countercultural? a lot of times. Don't shy away from it. Don't run from it. Don't try to avoid it. Don't uh, avoid people who are bringing the truth. Don't just surround yourselves with people like you saying what you wanna hear. Force yourself, delight in conviction to hear the things that you may need to hear and not just always what you want to hear. And then lastly, are you fighting for it? Is it a priority? Don't let the little things, the, the minutia, the everyday routine get in the way and make you believe that your life doesn't have meaning. You are in the fight of a lifetime, the race, the faith that matters. Your life matters. And you can do this every day because no matter what you do or where you are, you can cultivate your relationship with God and with people. So devote yourself to this and you'll, you will never lack meaning. This is what you were made for. It's what you've been equipped for. You can continue looking for fulfillment and meaning on earth, or you can leverage your life for what matters most with these three things. Share the truth, embrace the truth, fight for truth. This is the charge. And going back to my story, and I know this won't be everyone's story. Obviously I began to do this for a vocation, for a profession, uh, to share this word. Fortunately for me, I did find the thing that brought meaning to my life. I started embracing the truth. I started reading the word. I got in my quiet time, I accepted Jesus. And as I did this, I just immediately wanted to start sharing it with people. One thing kind of came after the other and I began to want to help others see what I had seen and I started inviting them in. But you don't have to be a preacher or a pastor to do this, it's a call for all of us. I think this is what brings meaning to our lives, to invite people in to this experience. It's not just a call for preachers, it's a call for all of us. It's what will bring fulfillment at the end of our lives. Paul, again, end of his life, he had done it right. He's giving us the secret code. It's these three things. It's what gives us purpose. You don't have to live a meaningless life. And then I'm still in the middle of this one, but I think I continued to fight for it. I continued to fight for it 
today because following Jesus in our world isn't easy. I think we could all agree on that. You're gonna be tempted to do other things, to leave it behind, to not really pay attention to anything uh, that's going on here or in the church or whatever. But trust me when I say that this is worth fighting for. It's worth it in the end. This is the call on our lives. And so tonight, I, I wanna sing this next song. I wanna uh, continue worshiping together. But as the band comes up, I just want you all to consider some of the things we talked about tonight. I want you to think for a moment, process the, these things. Are you all in? Have you completely embraced the word of God? Have you taken this truth and let it convict you? Let it change you? Let it shift your mind. Have you looked at every single passage, read the entire thing and just taken it for what it is and not tried to make it say what you want it to say? Have you tried to share it? Have you actually gone and have a, had a conversation with people, taken this word out to the community, taken it to people who don't know Jesus? I believe that as you do, you will begin to feel your purpose. Will you leverage your life for the fight that matters most? Will you use it? Will you go and make it count? There are a lot of fights out there. People are fighting all the time, but I believe this is the fight that matters. This is a worthy cause. It's a noble cause. And this is what God wants for us. It's the purpose that he's given us. So think about those things. Think about what he's doing. Think about where you fit in all of this and how this can ultimately change your life. If you begin to do these three things, implement them into your life, into your job, into everything you do, and all of a sudden you have purpose, you have meaning, in a life that can sometimes feel so repetitive and in a cycle of, I can't um, get out of. So I'd love to pray for us and then we're gonna sing together. Thanks for tuning in to the NPYA podcast. To learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at North Point Young Adults or head to our website, northpoint.org slash youngadults. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss one. See y'all next time.